Please be advised the following podcast contains discussion of media coverage of sexual assault. Hello and welcome to the Shorenstein Centre Media and Politics Podcast. On this episode, we speak with Joanna Jolly, a Spring 2016 Joan Shorenstein Fellow and BBC South Asia Editor, about her new paper titled Rape Culture in India, the Role of the English Language Press. The paper, which you can read in full at shorensteincentre.org, examines the increased coverage of rape in India's English language newspapers following the infamous 2012 gang rape in Delhi, and whether this coverage led to policy changes. The paper also highlights the importance of sexual violence reporting in shaping public opinion and policy. We begin with Jo explaining why she chose to research and write about this topic during her time at the Shorenstein Centre. I was drawn to write this paper for the Shorenstein Centre because of my own work in India and South Asia and my own interest in covering sexual violence. I was actually in England when this rape took place, the December 16th, 2012 Delhi gang rape, which was publicised around the world. And I covered it um, from England as a BBC South Asia editor. But then I subsequently went back to India and made a documentary about sort of nine months later, looking at the changes to the law and looking to see whether they'd had any effect. And what I found out then, which was still quite early on in the process was that all the amendments that had been made to the criminal law um, in general hadn't been implemented in in Delhi, which is where I looked, and that it was still very difficult for victims of sexual violence to have uh, their case heard properly, even though they, it was more likely that the police were going to register their case, and then for them to quickly uh, to take that case to court and have some sort of justice from it. So I remained interested in the topic and coming here to the Shorenstein Centre four years later gave me the opportunity to look at it more deeply. Joe spoke more about what made the Delhi rape case so unique in Indian media and some of the wider effects of the story within the country. I mean, this was an absolutely unprecedented case uh, in India and pretty much around the world to get this much focus on an incident of, of sexual violence. Um, and um, one thing we did for this paper was we, we uh, conducted a data analysis of uh, four main English language newspapers in India just to look at how frequently they use the word rape or gang rape, um, both before and after the event. And what you see is this immense spike at the moment that the rape happened. So you go from maybe, you know, a few hundred uh, mentions a month to 4,000 mentions a month. And then what you see afterwards is that rape then remains within um, reporting in a way that it hasn't done before. So what what this, this event did was it suddenly brought the issue of sexual violence onto the front pages of Indian newspapers. And it remained there and still remains there to this day. Um, so that was one very positive effect of of this case. Um, but we, we tried to look in a bit more deeply at that and to see whether all the reporting had been positive. And that's where this story gets quite interesting, because although at the beginning it looks like uh, the press coverage of the Delhi rape was sort of hand in hand with the protesters who came out on the streets to say enough is enough we need better protection we need better security we need better laws we need better recognition of this issue in India when you start to look at the press coverage over the the years after the rape you see that newspapers are not protesters that they have commercial interests that they're trying to please they're trying to make a profit and that the way they cover sexual violence is more about gaining readers than it is about actually tackling the issue. So for instance, um, you start to get quite a lot of emphasis on sensationalism, on giving the really gory details of a case, um, which, you know, um, 
some papers around the world perhaps would, would shy off from, from doing. But in India, you have every sort of single little detail, every very physical, visceral detail uh, described by the papers. And this in turn brought an audience into the papers who became kind of outraged by these details, but were also slightly hooked on them and wanted to know more. And you found that in a way, this was sort of flaming the issue of uh, sexual violence rather than tackling it and asking, you know, what can we do to, to change this in society? So the first thing I guess we found was that newspapers aren't protesters, that they don't have the same uh, aims and, and um, the, the same motivations as the protesters. And although on the surface it looked like, wow, India's really taking the issue of sexual violence very seriously, and certain aspects of Indian society, of course, are taking sexual violence very seriously, I don't think that we can lump the press in as, as one of them, even though within the press you have many journalists who feel this is an absolutely crucial issue that should be publicised as much as possible. Um, what you also find is that the, the, the system around the press, uh, the structures that journalists work within, isn't about raising awareness of issues. It's about selling newspapers, which are two very different things. We asked Jo what she found surprising during her research of the paper. One of the things I found surprising when I started to research this topic was this idea of false rapes, which is becoming uh, a bigger and bigger narrative within the Indian press. Now, a false rape is a rape that is initially registered with the police and then the victim withdraws the complaint, um, though... This can be for any number of reasons, and it may be because she is being pressured by the alleged perpetrator to withdraw the complaint, or it may be because the complaint was actually false in the first place. But what's actually happening now in the Indian media is that this idea of false rape is being reported more and more. And this is because after the 2012 Delhi rape, the law changed for it. Um, it to become easier for women to register rape uh, cases. So now police are obliged to register a complaint if a woman comes into a police station. Um, and the perception is now that perhaps it's too easy, that the pendulum swung too much in the favour of women, and it's too easy for them to register a rape complaint. And they may be doing this because um, they were in a sexual relationship with a man and the man promised to marry them and then withdrew his promise. And so they're getting back at him in some way because sexual relationships are not condoned outside marriage, still very much in Indian society. Or it may be because um, they're trying to get back at the man for some way. There may be a sort of malicious intent behind it, or they're trying to extort money, or there's some sort of criminal motivation behind it. And what you're finding is um, this idea, this narrative of false rape, which is sort of growing up a lot more in India, has hit the way that rape is covered in India, which is generally by crime reporters in the crime pages, which means there's not a lot of analysis that goes with these false rape claims. So when you get a story like one that was uh, published reasonably recently that the body in Delhi, the Delhi Women's Com Commission, uh, publicised uh, statistics from 2013 to 2014 saying 53% of rapes registered in the city were false, which is a huge amount. Um, crime reporters then just write this straight up as a news story, 200 words. These are the statistics as put out by this body without the analysis to go with it that could say, well, why are these rapes uh, being registered as false rapes? Is it because they actually were false rapes or is it because women were under pressure to withdraw uh, the rape claim or perhaps they felt that they, they, they used this law when they couldn't use another law or, or another sort of more complex reason. This isn't being reported. And so you get this very, it, it is quite curious that only four years after the immense outrage over this gang rape that ha happened in Delhi, 
you then get this idea that perhaps women are being sneaky and, and registering false rape because they can now and we need to think about male rape victims instead of female rape victims. I mean, to me, that was very curious. Jo then discussed what she hoped readers would take away from her paper and how reporting on sexual violence can influence public opinion and policy. I think we quite often equate publicity and noise and frequency of reporting as changing an issue. We think, oh, there's a lot of interest on this issue, therefore it must be changing. I think what this paper taught me or what I learned from from writing it is that interest in an issue doesn't necessarily equate to understanding of an issue. And there was a huge amount of interest in this rape in India. But as I mentioned before, a lot of it was uh, very sensational and very visceral. Um, And I think although uh, India's long-form magazines and and some of its publications did try to go into the issue at a much deeper level and look at the societal um, factors behind a high level of sexual violence, uh, a lot of the newspapers just covered it as a day-to-day crime. I know as South Asia editor for the BBC, one question I was frequently asked when I went on air, um, whenever there was a case of sexual violence that had had made the international press from India, I was asked this question, but didn't we have this big rape four years ago and haven't things got better? Wasn't the law changed? And I would always say, yes, well, the law has been changed, but it's hard to implement those changes. You know, you have to go state by state and uh, some places are better than others. But what I would now say from having written this paper is also... um, that things have only really changed on a surface level. The deeper changes that you need in society in order to really tackle issues of sexual violence um, are slow to happen, maybe not surprisingly. And that if we use newspapers as a barometer of this, we can see that um, stereotypes of of women, stereotypes of sexual violence and rape are being um, perpetuated by newspapers rather than questioned, despite, as I said, the the interests of, and, and the uh, attempts of journalists to change this themselves. We're talking about a much bigger system and that it will probably take quite a long time in India for this to change. Finally, Joe shared her thoughts on the responsibility of the media worldwide, including the US and UK, when reporting on the sensitive topic of sexual assault. I think it's very hard to report on sexual violence. This is one thing I've learned from, from writing this paper. You can report the facts. Um, it's, you know, it's hard not to sensationalise a lot of the stories, especially the high-profile stories um, that have happened recently, because they are inherently sensational, and that's why they grab their our interest as readers or viewers. Um, I think it's an area that we all need to to think about, take a step back from, and really think about the messages that we're conveying in reporting this kind of violence. Um, You don't want to be inadvertently perpetuating it by making it sound, I don't know, in some way thrilling and exciting. And I think sometimes this happens, even in the UK and and the US. Um, But on the other hand, you do know that that sort of story sells newspapers. We like we all like to read in some way those stories. Um, it's, it's an incredibly complex issue and it goes right back to the idea of where we stand as men and women in society and the perceptions we have of ourselves, the way that we're portrayed in the media. Um, it goes back to some very fundamental ideas and I think it's something that we need to constantly debate and constantly question and as as professionals working in the news industry, we just constantly have to look at the output that we're we're getting we're we're publishing and ask ourselves are we sensationalizing this are we perpetuating uh, stereotypes are we victim blaming you know what are we doing with this crime are we making it more 
are we trying to make people more interested in it than than you know a murder because of its salacious uh, details? Um, are we being fair to the victim? I think we all, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in India or the US or the UK. I think we all need to ask ourselves these questions. And I don't think, you know, from I, I interviewed a lot of Indian journalists, reporters, and editors for this paper. And they're facing the same professional issues that we're facing all around the world, that their issues are not particular to India. Um, though, of course, they have a, a set of, you know, an environment that is, you know, that they're working in that is particular to India. But I think these these issues are kind of universal. How do we portray women in the press? What are our expectations of the portrayal of women? How do we portray violence against women? Um, one of the things that kept coming up with this idea of the of stranger danger, this, this kind of unnamed predator who would launch on you from a dark corner. And, and actually most of, of sexual violence that happens against women happens within the home, most likely to be pet, um, uh, perpetrated by uh, a woman's partner, actually, more than, than anyone else. Um, again, we need to find a way of talking about this in the press, not just in India, but in Britain and America and around the world, and understand um, that that it, it it's quite a universal crime. It's not just to do with a stranger danger, but that it's something that women have to face on a day-to-day -day basis and sensationalizing it and making a big deal out of it doesn't necessarily help the debate that needs to happen around that crime. You can read Joe Jolly's full paper by visiting shorensteincenter.org and clicking on Research. Thanks for listening to the Shorenstein Center Media and Politics Podcast. Music provided by extrememusic.com. <laughs>